Why are you persecuting me? So Christ is still on the cross. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You're listening to Behold the Man with your host, Joe McLean. Hola, buenos dias, que tal? Welcome back to Behold the Man. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be with you again today. We took a week off last week, but we're back. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about the ascension, the kingdom, and the mission of the church. How all of those tie together. That intro song is Go Out in the World by John and Gotti. And you can find a link to his site as well as the show notes for this episode and so much more at www.catholichack.com. Well, let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All praise and glory and honor be to you, Almighty God, as we come before you to study your word, to soak in it, to become rich in it, to share it with all the world. And so we pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit to be upon us, to enlighten our minds, to to give us the, the grace that we so deeply desire that we might proclaim your word. And so we pray for the peace and forgiveness of all the world. May the Holy Spirit assist us in seeking the justice of God rather than the justice of man. For my wife and all other pregnant mommies out there, may the Holy Spirit be with her as she delivers our daughter. May the delivery go well and our daughter be healthy and happy. We pray for the church. May she continue to proclaim the truth and bear the word, which is Jesus Christ, the truth, to all the world, and to share the inner life of the Trinity. And we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, before we dive into our topic today, I wanted to cover a couple of basic points. Um, Number one, I have a new layout on my website at catholichack.com. 
And so I would encourage you and invite you to go by and check that out. Tell me what you think. Do you like the new layout? Do you not like it? I would love to hear your feedback. But I was hoping and have been for some time now uh, to come up with a, a layout design that simplifies it, makes it clearer less confusing, starts to ac accentuate certain resources on my website that might make it easier or uh, more user-friendly for the, the viewer. So I'm hoping I accomplish that. But again, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, for instance, some of the uh, features that are now more accentuated are the Apologetic series. I've uh, started to gather past Catholic Hack episodes and Behold the Man episodes into categories based on apologetics topics. For instance, St. Peter, the Eucharist, uh, Confession, Mary and the Saints. So if you stop by CatholicHack.com, you look for the link that says Apologetic Series, you'll see what I'm talking about. Now, the nice thing is I have combined all of those episodes within each topic into a playlist. So you could actually hit the play button and listen to every one of those shows played back to back without ever having to go anywhere else. But if you wanted to go to the individual pages, listen to the shows individually there, and you know check out the, the show notes for every one of those topics, then you're, there's a link there, and you can do that as well. So hopefully that's a resource that'll help you if you find uh, yourself in a situation where you need to do some research on any particular topic. I'm hoping that that will be of use to you. You'll also see that I've accentuated the St. Ignatius of Antioch uh, which, uh, series that I did, which is the narration of his seven epistles that he wrote to the seven churches while he was on his way to be eaten by the wild beasts in the Colosseum in Rome. He wrote these letters. They are famous letters, and they are a phenomenal insight into the first century church. St. Ignatius of Antioch was himself a disciple of the Apostle John, just one person removed from the very commands, the very words of Christ our Lord. And so this is, in my opinion, must reading, must uh, must have information for every Christian, let alone Catholic, in the world. And you can actually listen to every single one of these epistles on my website, catholichack.com. Look for the St. Ignatius of Antioch series there. And again, I included a playlist that includes all of those epistles that you just hit play, and you can listen to them. If you want to download them for yourself individually, there is a link there, and you can do that as well. You'll also see I link to the 500 Club. This is a, a great opportunity for you to join me in the work of the new evangelization. Uh, if you appreciate what... I do in this ministry. If you uh, can appreciate all the effort that goes into producing these shows, the time away from the family, the research, and all of that, then uh, you can support me in that by joining the 500 Club. For as little as $5 a month, you can get some great, great resources shipped right to you every single month that you can then use to hand out. And that's exactly the point of the 500 Club, that you join me. Think about the possibility of 500 Catholic evangelists every single month committing themselves to handing out one CD, at least one CD, to a friend, a coworker, a stranger, a family member, somebody who's fallen away from the church. Just hand them the CD and say, hey, I think you should listen to that. I mean, it's a powerful uh, multiplier of the new evangelization, and you can be a part of that. And I'm looking to be a part of a team of 500 Catholic evangelists, and at the same time, you are supporting a great Catholic ministry in Lighthouse Catholic Media, 
and my work here at catholichack.com. So please do stop by today, catholichack.com. Look for the 500 Club. You'll also see links to my uh, articles that I've written or have been interviewed in, as well as the old Catholic Hack episodes. You can find a link to all of those and much, much more, all at catholichack.com. Now, last week I spoke, I was had the privilege and the honor of speaking at Texas A&M uh, at a Knights of Columbus Council Conference. It was the college knights that got together. And uh, I was blessed. I had a great opportunity to come and share with them about evangelizing on campus. We'll touch on some of those points today in today's show, but you can also listen to that talk on my website at catholichack.com. You'll find the link. It's one of the uh, uh, promoted links this week on the main page, but it's uh, just a, a talk on evangelization on campus. If you search for that term, you should find it no problem. Also coming up, I'm uh, in the works of promoting the next Fullness of Truth Catholic Family Conference, which will take place in San Antonio, Texas at the Hyatt Hill Country Resort, August 27th and 28th. That is going to be a great event. The Hyatt Hill Country Resort is a phenomenal hotel. If you live anywhere near Texas, you've got to come to this. You've got to check this out. They charge normally uh, $279 a night. At minimum, we're giving the way of giving these rooms out for a hundred and nine dollars a night. I mean, this is a phenomenal hotel. This is you got to check this out. This is the last weekend getaway of the summer, and uh, this is like going to be a mini vacation. Let me tell you, we went back in '09, and it was just it was just great. So uh, this year we're bringing Father Paqua. Uh, from EWTN, Sister Rosalind Moss from Catholic Answers, or used to be Catholic Answers, Steve Ray, Jerusalem Jones, you know Steve Ray, and uh, Dr. Michael Barber, as well as Doug Berry, Eric Jenis, and more. It's going to be a great event. It's entitled, Where is That in the Bible? Discovering New Testament Catholic Teaching Hidden in the Old. So all of our favorite typologies, the Gibi Ra, the Ark of the New Covenant, the Eucharist, I mean, the sacraments, the church, all of it, we're going to be showing and cracking open the Old Testament and showing its New Testament perfection. And these uh, these speakers are just some of the better suited speakers out there to talk about this. Sister Rosalind Moss herself, uh, a Jew, born and raised Jew, uh, became evangelical and now a Catholic uh, nun, actually. So uh, Father Pacwa has his doctorate in Old Testament, and uh, Steve Ray has led countless, uh, you know, uh, pilgrimages in the Holy Land and it can speak firsthand of, of the experience of the Holy Land. And, and he brings a unique insight and a, a charism to the lineup that I think you're really, really going to enjoy. And of course, Dr. Michael Barber, one of my favorites, someone I, I reference quite frequently here on the show. Uh, you know him. He's a, a professor of Catholic scripture and thought at John Paul the Great University. So I think the lineup is phenomenal and I think everybody's going to enjoy it. You can find more of all of that at fullnessoftruth.org. Now let's dive into today's topic, the ascension and the kingdom and the mission of the church and how all of those are related to one another. Let's start back in Daniel chapter 7 verse 13 and following, quote, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. That's verse 13. So you see the Son of Man riding on a clouds, going where? Up or down? He's going up. He's going up to heaven, being presented to the Ancient of Days in the heavenly throne room. 
This is an ascension being referenced right here in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. The kingdom is both now and yet to come. That's a, an essential understanding, right? When the Son of Man is presented before the Ancient of Days, notice all of the elements in verse 14 of Daniel 7, quote, And to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which should not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed, unquote. I want you to pay attention to all the elements in that verse, verse 14. We're going to go over some of those today, but I want you to think about especially uh, the part that says all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. Think about that during Pentecost. When you're sitting in mass and you're listening to the readings and, and they're talking about how the, the spirit poured out upon those in the upper room and the tongues of fire and they began to speak in tongues, right? And, and then they went out and Peter preached to all those present from every corner of the earth. <laughs> Think of this verse when you're listening to that, all right? Now, also, let's go back and look at a, a messianic psalm written by King David talking about the Messiah King to come, but also tangentially related to King David himself. Psalm 2, starting in verse 6, going through verse 9, quote, I have set my king on, a, on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with the rod of iron and dashed them in pieces like a potter's vessel, unquote. It starts off with, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Read Hebrews 12, and then go back and look at the book of Revelation, specifically uh, chapter 20 and 21. The new Jerusalem, the heavenly Mount Zion. Where is the king set? In the heavenly Mount Zion, Right? You are my son today I have begotten you. Does that not ring of uh, 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 does that not remind you of John chapter 1 and how when our Lord was being baptized the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove the cloud hovering above the waters of the new creation and and our Lord saying that this is my only begotten. Right? So we see already we can see the the fulfillment of all of this. I will I will make I will ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. We're going to see how that comes up again with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the Old Testament outlook of the kingdom and the king would include the spirit in the form of a cloud, a, a chariot, if you will, carrying the king, the Messiah, the son of man to his throne in heaven to sit and rule over his kingdom right? His, his, uh, his basileia, his empire, if you will. And then this king is given all dominion, all power, and all authority over all the angels, right? The good ones and the bad ones, and even uh, earth itself, right? So everything is placed under him, and everything is placed under his feet, is, becomes his footstool, if you will, right? So the subjects from the ends of the world now come and pay homage to him. The nations shall become his possession. And the word nations should ring a bell with you. You should start to think of Abraham, right? Let's look at Genesis chapter 17, verses 4 and 5. Quote, Behold, my covenant is with you, 
and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. That word nations is the same word for Gentiles. Do you think that's a coincidence? No, of course not. The nations, the world, shall come under the rule of the king and his kingdom. Again, think of Acts. Think of Pentecost. Think of how all were present. Devout men from every nation had come together, speaking all kinds of languages, and yet they were able to overcome those language barriers through the gift and the charism of the speaking in tongues from the Holy Spirit. And they were gathered in. 3,000 were saved that day, baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the remission of their sins, right? And that gift was not for just for them, but it was for those far off as well, as well as children too. <laughs> Read Acts chapter 2. It's great stuff. We'll have to get into that, and I might link to some episodes I've done in the past on that very topic. Now, let's go forward and look at the account in St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Quote, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. Unquote. Did you notice the elements? We see the disciples worshiping him, by the way, a sign of his divinity, in case you're ever asked about, did Jesus ever claim to be a God? Yes, of course. He said, ego a me to Caiaphas. He said, ego a me to those who came to arrest him in the, in the garden. And there are so many other references. Uh, John 8 comes to mind, for instance. But here, I love to look at this verse. It says they worshiped him. Okay, You don't worship anybody but God. That's a plain fact. The church taught that forever. So the fact that they're worshiping him, that's a pretty good indicator. And that fact that he didn't stop them from worshiping him is a sign of his divinity. Now, he, is, he has been given all authority in heaven and earth. He says it so right here in Matthew 28. Again, that was a sign in the Old Testament of the Son of Man. The, the Messiah would be given all authority in heaven and earth. He commands those men, those men, those 12 men, or actually 11 at that point, those 11 men, he commands them to go out into all nations to make disciples. So we often read the, the, the Gospels and we start to impose ourselves in the text as if Christ was giving us that commission. But he wasn't. He gave those men that commission. And those men appointed successors when they were being martyred off, when they were, were dying off, they appointed successors and they laid hands and they ordained these men. And these men had the indelible mark of their ordination and the gift and the command that, that Jesus gave to those men, those men passed on to others, as St. Paul likes to say, worthy men who will do it faithfully. And those men passed on it to others through apostolic tradition and succession down through the ages. We have the church, its bishops, its magisterium. As St. Ignatius says to the letter in Smyrna's paragraph 8, where the bishop is, there is the wholeness 
The actual word is Catholic Church. All right, so the wholeness of the faith is found where? With the bishop. Very, very important. But those men received the the command, the commission to go and to make disciples, to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He commands those those men to teach all that he has commanded them. So what what is the job of the bishops? What is the job of the apostles, the magisterium of the church? To make disciples, to baptize, to catechize, to share the inner life of the Trinity itself and that Trinitarian formula to to allow people to come into the fullness of the faith, to experience, to enter into the fullness through the Trinity in the baptism, right? And confirmation and all the other sacraments. And how are they to accomplish this? Their catechesis, their teaching of the faith, to all the world? Well, Christ tells it himself, I will be with you always. And he also promises the paraclete, right? The gift of the Holy Spirit to come and to to be with them, to give them the charisms that they need. Notice that prior to Pentecost, the disciples were sort of scattered and lost and fearful. They were hiding in the upper room, afraid of what the Jews might do to them. And then once the Spirit is poured out upon them, they're baptized in that Spirit, what what do they do then? They go forth out boldly proclaiming Christ to those that actually were part of his death. So there is a, a, a switch that's flipped there. They go from fearful and cowardly to bold, proclaiming the faith without fear, going out into the public, going out to the temple, actually being arrested for what they believe in and not backing down. So there is a key indicator of the charism of the church and its mission to proclaim the truth, the gospel, the life of the Trinity, the fullness of the faith to all the world. It is done so through the gift of Christ being present with us always. Now, let's look at St. Luke's account in Acts chapter 1, going through verses 1 through 9. Quote, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up after he had given commandment through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his passion, by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking of the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he charged them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but before many days you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said this, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Unquote. Notice all of those Old Testament elements we spoke of. The cloud, the chariot cloud, the Holy Spirit himself taking the Son of Man up to that heavenly throne, right? That Christ might sit at the right hand of the Father, right? 
As in Daniel chapter 7, who took the Son of Man to heaven, we see it here again with Christ our Lord, the true Son of Man. This is the same cloud that covered Jesus, Moses, and Elijah in Luke chapter 9, verses 29 through 36, the mountain of transfiguration, which frightened Peter, James, and John. Peter started to stumble. Lord, this is awesome. We should stay here forever. Can I build some tabernacles and we can just hang out here and never leave this mountaintop experience? Right? Remember that? Luke chapter 9, verse 29 through 36. The Father spoke from that cloud. Remember? He said, this is my only begotten. Right? This is an amazing experience. The Father speaking from the cloud, which he has a tendency to do, by the way. This is the same cloud that led the people of Israel out of Egypt and then and then led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a, and a pillar of fire by night and then descended upon the, the top of Mount Sinai and spoke to the people from the cloud in the book of Exodus. Right? Remember that? The Father has this, this weird way of, of communicating to us through the cloud, through this, the, this manifestation, this theophonic manifestation of the Trinity in the Old Testament. And we see it again here in the New Testament. The same cloud that hovered over the waters of creation in Genesis chapter 1 and the waters of the new creation in John chapter 1, right? When God speaks the words of creation, let there be light. And he, you know, he, he spoke over, over Christ being baptized. This is my only begotten Son. These are amazing creative moments by the, the, the very word going forth from God. The theophonic presence of our Lord, the Trinity present in the Old Testament coming to life in the New Testament. It is time for the kingdom, right? We see it. The Son of Man is sitting on his throne. He's ascending to his throne, so the kingdom is here, right? Well, here's a point that Dr. John Bergsma makes in an article he wrote and posted just recently at thesacredpage.com. It's called, God Mounts His Throne with Shouts of Joy, the Readings for Ascension Day. And I'll link to it at catholichack.com. He says, quote, now this is very interesting, about a translation error or issue in the, 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 the writings here in Acts. It says, quote, like most English translations, the one used in Mass does not adequately translate the Greek word used in verse 4. Above it is rendered, while meeting with them. But literally it is, while taking salt with them. Which is a Greek idiom meaning sharing a meal. Alright, so what he's saying here, in verse 4, there is a Greek word in the original text that is translated, while meeting with them. But it literally means while taking salt with them, which means that he was eating with them. Okay? He was eating with his apostles before the ascension. Very, very important. Why is that important? This is why. He says that the only justification that he could find in the lexicons for rendering it spending time with them rather than eating with is that the eating with supposedly doesn't make sense in the context of Acts chapter 1, verse 4. On the contrary, he says, I suggest it makes a lot of sense and is in fact theologically significant in light of Luke chapter 22, verses 16 and 18, which seem to suggest that Jesus will not eat or drink 
until the kingdom comes. The fact that he is eating and drinking with him here is an indication of the arrival of the kingdom. He says, see also Acts 10, 41. So did you catch that? The fact that he's eating with him and the fact that he said in Luke chapter 22 that he wouldn't eat or drink until the kingdom come must indicate something. And the fact that he's eating with him and he's ascending to sit at his throne, which we knew from the book of Daniel, would mean the coming of the kingdom, that the kingdom must be here now. Okay? Remember the episode we did on the book of Rapture? Go back and listen to that. We sort of touch upon that, the topic of the kingdom being here now, both here now and still yet to come. He goes on to say that um, most people look at the whole rebuke of Jesus against the, the 12 when they say, is now the time to bring about the, the kingdom of Israel again? And, and Jesus says, well, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, but for God to fix that, right? And it, just leave that to him. But he goes on to point out, however, that Scott Hahn has pointed out it is possible to take the Lord's response as an answering of not when, but how. He says, it is the witness, the martyria of the apostles from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, i.e. the Gentiles, concentric circles of the ancient kingdom of David, David's city, tribe, nation, and vassals, respectively, that will bring about the new Israel, the kingdom of God, which manifests visibly in the world as the church. What is the point? Jesus is the son of man. He has the authority, the power of heaven and earth. He has ascended and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he has brought about the kingdom of God. Now, what is our mission as the church? To go and share the Holy Trinity with all the world. The church on earth is by her nature missionary, since according to the plan of the Father, she has as her origin the mission of the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 850. So 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an account the hope that lies within you. Until next time, I'm praying for you. May God richly bless you. From the Catholic Underground. Based on digital.